drive deep left center field. It is high. Notice far. That is gone to the back row of the monster seats. It's Glaber Day. Barry Trump Jr. is also in the game. Robinson! Oh, what a catch! And flush! Spectacular play from Mitchell Robinson. Darnold swings it downfield. Welcome back to the Shoeless Joe's podcast. It's going to be the podcast heard around the world. Are you starting the podcast again? Dude, I had to. My my fantasy football team finally pulled out a win. Alvin and the Chipmunks are on the board for the year after an 0-6 start. Superstitious again. I'm proud of you, though. I'm proud of you, though. I mean, I put up 64 points and somehow won, so <laughs> shout out Liam for the 50 points your team put up, including one point from Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Uh, the only team in the world with a slightly better record than the Jets. My fa- my fantasy team. And yeah, your fantasy team. team. No, the Giants are going to win tonight, so we're not going to talk about that. Let's no, not jinx it, but the Giants are going to win tonight. By the time this podcast came out, you guys will know if the Giants did or did not actually win <laughs> on this evening in question. Dude, and my fantasy team, I'm up by two points right now, and, and the guy just has to have um, Tampa Bay's defense score more than two points. I haven't even checked. The, I haven't even checked my app yet because I'm scared. But I hope I win. If I clutch it <laughs> out, I'm gonna find that kid and I'm gonna terrorize him. Dude, all Daniel Jones has to do is drop the ball one time, <laughs> drop it to the turf one time, and you lose the week. Which is the and thing he's be, best at. And he'll be double angry because you hate when he does it. More turnover, <laughs> double angry. Anyway, angry on it's, top it, of angry. It's Mike, by the way. And it is also Isaiah. If you haven't been listening to the podcast now, uh, it's your first time. Please share the podcast. Let's get this podcast involved with the fans, with the followers. Get more listeners, please. Oh, I mean, we're gonna we usually plug our our socials at the end of the episode, but we're gonna change that That's up true. just, oh, yeah, just to ahead. make sure y'all hear it now. Um, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Shoeless Joe's Pod. Um, we're gonna start posting stuff not only for promos, but also just out outside of that, just for to start conversations, see what you guys are thinking, to interact with you guys more. So definitely go give those pages a follow. Yeah, we got lucky enough where uh, the names are the same on all of our socials so far. So, all two uh, of them. <laughs> yeah, at Shoeless Joe's Pot. And on that note, um, I think we're ready to start our episode. Yes, and I sir. think you guys are. I think you guys are really going to like this one. We're doing something a little bit different. We got the draft coming up November twenty second. Um, and we're we've been as Knicks fans, uh, we've been talking about this draft for since March basically. So to have it a few weeks away is very exciting for us. And we're going to, we're going to give our predictions, our mock draft for the first, basically the lottery, the first 14 picks. Um, we just want to tell them um, the rules there. Um, yeah, well, obviously <laughs> we can't uh, pick who uh, each other have picked. So we haven't spoken to each other yet about who we've picked. So if your player gets taken off the board, you're going to have to scramble a little bit and uh, find a player that you need. Um, so we're we're drafting based off of need. There's not going to be any like trades up and down the board, confuse each other about it. Um, so basically, whatever the team needs, who the best player available is to draft, what we would do as the GM of these organizations. I mean, okay. it would be interesting to throw trades in there, but I mean, there's going to be so <laughs> many trades within this lottery itself that I think we're we're better off leaving that to the GMs. Yeah, there's no way we get it right, and there's no way we replicate 
what is to happen on draft night. But on that note, are you ready to get into it? Yeah, for sure. I got the first pick. And with the first pick, oh, do you want to do the noise? What happened? The doom, 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 doom. With the first pick, (laughs) with the first pick of the 2020 NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select, this is a given, I have to take Anthony Edwards here. Um, obviously all year they've been clamoring around that friendship between D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, and Devin Booker. And I don't think they'll be able to get Devin Booker. Um, and so they need a two guard, a two guard to fill that spot after losing, well, not losing after giving rid of, um, Andrew Wiggins, who was an all right pairing with them. But yeah, Anthony Edwards is crazy athletic and out of all the talent in this draft, it seems like he is the least that needs to like have their game matured in a sense like he's he's the most nba ready based off of skill and the way they play the game so far in my opinion um however the one thing that he lacks is his aggressiveness and he's a pretty lazy um on both ends of the ball but maybe he'll be able to fit into a system he hasn't you know he's not he's coming into the nba everybody's game gets changed you know some rookies adapt better than others because of how well they can fit into systems um so, yeah, my first pick is Anthony Edwards. And I think, like, that's kind of a, a, a general consensus at this point. Um, I know that especially with the rumors about LaMelo Ball maybe going to Minnesota, that was a possibility. But, I mean, especially we know that in real life that how this is going to go down is that Minnesota is trading out of that pick. Um, and they're making that very clear that they don't <laughs> yeah. want this pick. Um, but in terms of fit, like, I think that Anthony Edwards makes a lot of sense, especially next to D'Angelo Russell. Um, defensively, it'll be – an absolute dumpster fire and <laughs> the questions about there's so many, I think there's a lot of questions about Andy Edwards maturity, um, his motor, his, his desire to win. Um, so I think that it's not as surefire as a number one pick usually is, but he definitely has the talent to that a GM can tie his job to and say that this player can turn our franchise around. Right. Um, and coming into the draft, he wasn't, as highly touted. I mean, for so long, we had been hearing LaMelo Ball at the top and sort of in a um, Baker Mayfield manner. I mean, he wasn't that low, but in a, um, and like Baker Mayfield, like he rose to number one, talked himself into number one and had a good season and, you know, showed that he's, he's capable and he can be a number one player and that he has that, but it's the, it's the lack of aggression that has people falling off. And I, I also think there's a lot of questions about his shot selection and, how he'll translate to the next level when the ball might not be in his hands as much. Um, but I guess if, you're, if your team is drafting him, you're looking to get the ball in his hands as much as possible um, and hope that at the NBA level like that competitiveness kicks in. Because he does have that competitive streak in him, but you, we just don't see it translate into effort enough. Um, and I think that'll be interesting to see, and it'll tell a lot about what he, what he becomes at the next level. Um, but on that note, the second pick then goes to the Golden State Warriors and very much like that Minnesota pick. That that pick is 100% on the market and a, look, the Warriors are comfortable sitting there but would prefer to trade back. Um, you've heard them tied to players like Tyrese Halliburton, Denny Avdia, but if they're staying at two, no trades, while the idea of, of LaMelo Ball bringing the ball up and Steph Curry and Clay running wild off screens, um, I think they have to go with James Wiseman. Um, He's 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 in that trio up top, him, Lamelo, and Anthony Edwards of like the top prospects in his draft by many people's accounts. Um, and we're talking about a center who's seven one, 
a 7-6 wingspan. Uh, we didn't see much of him at Memphis, but from his AAU, people know a lot about him and his game and think that he has the p- potential to be a solid NBA player and one of the more sure things in this draft. And if you look at a Golden State team who we don't know what, how that Wiggins experiment is going to work out, um, but we know that we have Clay and Steph coming back healthy. We have hopefully Draymond becomes himself again with everyone back around him. I think upgrading at upgrading at the five is a big thing for them, especially not to knock players like Kevon Looney or Marquise Chris, but if they want to get back to their title ways, I, I think that they're going to need a little bit of an upgrade there. And I think Wiseman can just fit in getting easy buckets in a spread out offense, rebounding, um, being a being a threat on to block shots behind Draymond. It, it, I think it makes a lot of sense, and I don't think. It, it would be if they were to go Lamelo Ball, it would be very similar to what they did trading for D'Angelo Russell, kind of just like having an asset to move from later on. Um, and I don't know if I don't know if that's the route they'd want to go. So I have them taking Wiseman at two. Um, yeah, if I were in this spot, I would take Wiseman as well. I just think I think his size. They they haven't really had like highly touted centers that they've been using, especially like last year they had um, uh, Kevon Looney. Right, they were running at center, and then. Um, they did have DeMarcus Cousins, and then DeMarcus Cousins got hurt, and then Andrew Bogut, when he was in the draft, was highly touted, but at that time, um, hadn't been what he was projected to be. And so, with a great talent like James Wiseman, he can space the floor somewhat, um, and that size is, like, really important for them. I know they, like, run in small ball, but um, from what we've seen at Memphis, what I watched at Memphis, he can get up and down the court, and he's he's pretty athletic for his size. And um, he can run with those boys in Golden State. I also think, like, looking at him in that role where it's like I'm, I'm sure his whole life the offense has ran through him. Um, mm-hmm. But having Steph and Clay there and even Wiggins to some extent, like, he's going to be, like, probably the number three or four option on that team. And he'll just – his field goal percentage will be through the roof just because of the way the offense is spread out, him being at his height with his length, like, his athletic ability to stretch the floor vertically, like – that that changes the game for them. He's gonna get so many easy buckets. Uh, help out with Draymond, who's already a great rebounder. I think that, I think in that role, I think that he's better a better option than anything you could find in the free agent market to fill in at that five role. Yeah, right. Golden State shouldn't be at the number two spot, but because of injuries, they are. And so, obviously, anyone who gets drafted there um, is lucky to play with you know Stephen Clay, the greatest backcourt um, in NBA history, and. Um, well, not in NBA history, but the greatest, greatest shooting backcourt, and that just makes it easier for anyone who's joining the team. Uh, so, number three, I have Charlotte, and um, Charlotte had a good outing last year. They got um, Devontae Graham, PJ Washington looked all right for a couple of games. Um, they still have they still have one of the Zeller boys, um, which is crazy. I, those I remember those guys were running rampant in the NBA, and now they're gone, but. <laughs> Um, so for Charlotte, I think I have to go best available player, and I don't think I can allow LaMelo Ball to fall anymore. Um, obviously, LaMelo's a streaky shooter. Obviously, I guess with all the Ball brothers except for LiAngelo, you got to fix the shot. You know, the shot is unorthodox, uh, the way they've been playing their entire lives. You know, it's been do whatever you want to do and whatnot. And so LaMelo coming into, into Charlotte, they do have some scores and they do have a system set up. Um, but I think I think on a talent level, he matches up with everyone on that team. And so if he can shine, if he can be, uh, you know, as efficient 
as possible uh, with what we saw when he got more minutes overseas. I think he'll I think he'll be a good fit for Charlotte, and I think it'll be his team um, in a position he's most comfortable in. So I think Lamelo would be good at Charlotte at three. I agree, and I think if it comes to that, they're gonna have to make that move, and they'll find a way. They'll find a way to get rid of Rozier's contract, and I don't think they can allow one year of Devontae Graham um, <laughs> performing like that to deter them from taking a town like this. Yeah, Just because, sure. realistically, Devontae Graham, it, though he's undersized, is more of a, a two, more of a scoring point guard and less of an engine for your team. So, I mean, playing him and LaMelo together is a possibility just because of if – we, we don't know how he'll, how LaMelo will profile as a defender, but with his size and his his athleticism, I feel like you can get away with running them together. Um, but nonetheless, I don't think that Devontae Graham should be a reason that they would look away from uh, 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 picking LaMelo ball. But, I mean, people talk about them kind of wanting to upgrade in the front court, but I think, like you said, like reaching – Reaching and leaving LaMelo Ball on the board is something that I don't think that Charlotte would do with Mitch Kupchak or that Michael Jordan would <laughs> allow it to happen, really. Yeah. Yeah, three is it three three would be a reach to go and grab one of those bigs to help you. Um listen, LaMelo's one of the like the best passers in this draft. And it seems like a lot of the guys, even though they're at the top, a lot of the guys um struggle with, you know, having that fire underneath them and being involved in a game. But I think, I mean, I'm a Lamelo Ball fan. I'm a fan of, um, you know, LeVar and his family. I almost said the, all right, never mind. Um, but yeah, I'm a fan. Of, I'm a fan of that family. I'm a fan <laughs> of the way they play. Um, I think last last episode, we both mentioned how we were big Lonzo fans. Um, very hype on him coming into the league, listening to his album on repeat. Um, they're fun to watch and they're, they're good. They can back it up most of the time. Um, and Leangelo's, you know, also has a <laughs> has somewhat of a career in the NBA. So, um, so it should be fun to watch Lamelo play. I'm excited to watch Lamelo play. We seen him drop 92 in high school, and now he's at the highest level of basketball. So, regardless, it should be fun whether we see him fail or um, succeed. I mean, yeah, it'll definitely be an interesting fit. And now we move on to Michael Jordan's old team, the aforementioned Chicago Bulls. And you look at it, and you really wonder. With Chicago, what what are they going to do next? How are they going to fill out this court? They bring in Billy Donovan, right? But but what happens next? So we look at that, and for me at four, it has to be Denny Avdia. Um, I think he complements the rest of his the rest of his the rest of that core very well. Um, I think that depending on how fans view Kobe White, um, you have Zach Levine there, you have Lloyd Markin in there. They believe in Wendell Carter. So logically, if you bring in Denny, who profiles as a three or a four, plays well on both ends, can handle the ball when he needs to, especially with a team that Kobe White's not a true engine and more of a scoring guard, like we said earlier. Um, having Denny there really changes the, the the chemistry of that team, and I think he fits in perfectly, um, especially if they mo- decide to move off marketing. To put him at to put him in at, at the four could also work, and he can profile there long-term as well. So I think it's really a, a no-brainer in terms of fit as well as best player available to go with Denny Abdi at four. Um, yeah, we were, we were extremely high on Denny, um, you know, for the Knicks. Uh, and I mean, watching his highlights, him playing at the time, he was, uh, he's really good. And he, he really could be a fit for any team that he had that like that needs that not even needs him. Like he could fit in well into any team. He can shoot, he can dribble the ball. We've seen a lot of like, you know, combo players. Basketball has 
over time just become positionless um, for the most part. And so anyone, I mean, LeBron James ran point guard this year, which obviously he can do. And obviously that's an outlier in LeBron James, but I mean, anyone can play any position. So Denny, you could run him around. Um, he has fallen a little, uh, but some th- those top three, obviously, you, you have to go with those three, just as highly touted as they were. Um, and you know, everyone's a little, everyone's a little scared to draft someone overseas. Um, <laughs> not Phil Jackson, though. Phil Jackson will take anyone who is not from the United States. But the um, Denny's a great fit there. Um, I'm also a fan of Laurie Markkinen. Um, I I don't know if they're gonna. I mean, I, obviously they've there have been reports that they want to move on from him. I think he's a good player though. I think they can get a lot for him, and I think Denny could slide into that role and be just as good as Denny, as um, as Laurie. It's also interesting with all the talent that they have there, how like how how bad they've been the last couple of years. Like we saw even with Zach Levine going off into and like really turning into a a more well known player last year. Um, they were they still ended up in the lottery. So I really think it's going to be interesting to see what they do. They have a real coach there. So I, I don't know. We, we'll see what they do, but I think that could be a, def, a very interesting pick for them. Um, what do you think about Cleveland coming in at five, though? Um, well, you took Denny, which I, I don't know if you were going to do. Um, so I had Denny going to Cleveland. but So now i got to switch it up. And um, I'm going to take Obi Toppin. I think again I have to draft best available player. Um Cleveland's already, you know, they they've been drafting guards um for the past couple of years already. They have Colin Sexton and they have Garland. Um so that's not something they need to work on. I guess those are still projects that um they want to train and they want to build on. And so um with they just acquired uh Andre Drummond this year. Um which I don't know if they'll be able to keep but um I like Obi Toppin. I think he's limited in offense and he's not a great defensive player. But I think whatever job you let him do, he gets the job done. Like he he can he's better offensively than he is defensively. I think he's a pretty good skill position. Like he's really good in skill and I think he can score pretty well and then I think that if you need him to play big, he can play big. Um you know, you can hide bad defensive players within a system. But once you, you know, you got, he'll make him go man to man. And when like, you know, the big moments come up, I don't think you should put him on the best player uh, unless he grows into that. But I like Obi Toppin going to Cleveland. I, I I agree. And I think like that, that really makes the most sense in the top of this draft of a fit as well as Denny. Um, just because they even, like you said, invested in guards the last, the last two drafts. Um, even those fits were questionable in and of themselves. Right. And then, they also get Kevin Porter Jr., who profiles as a wing, and they, I mean, had a decent rookie year. Um, not not the scoring outburst that we expected of him, but still still showing signs of potential. So I mean, and obviously they we know that they're trying to move Kevin Love. Kevin Love didn't want to be there last year already. Um, so seeing how that fit works, and I don't think they should allow having Kevin Love or Andre Drummond on their roster already to deter them from making this pick, just because. Obviously, we're, those are those contracts are they want to get rid of those contracts as soon as possible, and I mean they're trying to establish a young core. So, I think from an offensive perspective, like you said, uh, Toppin makes a lot of sense. I mean, defensively, 
that team's going to be a complete disaster. I mean, <laughs> yeah. already with Garland so and Sexton yeah. and Kevin. And, yeah, so I can't. Tristan Thompson's I mean, a free guess, agent, too. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, so I, I mean, in terms of fit, I guess this one makes the most sense. I mean, they could also easily go, like, Isaac Okoro um, in terms of, like, needing a wing that plays defense. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. But, I mean, I guess they have to do that with the knowledge of, what's going to happen with Drummond and what's going to happen with Kevin Love. Mm-hmm. Um, but that'd be a very, it'd be interesting to see what they do and how they match up this draft pick with what they've done the last couple of years. Speaking of guards though, I think we're going to see another guard come off the board here at six. Um, we know that Atlanta, <laughs> we know that Atlanta uh, really wants to get out of that pick as well um, and try to move that for a contender because they want to make Trey Young happy. Sure. Um, in his third year already. I mean, I get it, but I mean, I, eh, I mean, depends what you're getting back. But for <laughs> yeah. now, for now, we're focused on what they'll do if they're on the clock. And I think from a fit perspective, I don't know. I don't know if you were going to pick him in the upcoming picks, but I'm going to go with the man out of Iowa State, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and people who see Tyrese Halliburton are not going to see a flashy player, but they're going to see a player who does everything well, really. Um, Good passer, a knockdown catch and shoot shooter. But I heard a weird stat about him that he shot. He was in like the seventy eighth percentile from like the corners and like twenty six to the top of the key, like like moving up. Mm. And like that's such a weird stat. But nonetheless, I mean, I think it'd be interesting to have a secondary ball handler on that team. Um, take some of the usage out of Trey Young's hands because he does have the ball a ridiculous amount. Um, and see what you can do off ball and see how he can create havoc running off screens and see if he can ha- if he has. Like, we already know the Seth Curry comparisons, but see if he actually has that aspect in his game. Um, and, I mean, like, I don't think it's a big deal with Kevin Herter because you can really push Herter to the three, even though you have uh, Reddish, or you can bring Herter off the bench. But I think that it brings uh, a kind of like a some stability to that position. Somebody's going to do every do all the little things that Trey might not do. Um, and I think it's a, a great fit for Halliburton as well because he's not he's not that attacking-minded guard who's going to fill it up. Like, he does not attack the rim often. He does not attack the rim well. Um, so I think it's a great fit for him, and I think that backcourt could be very interesting. Um, no, yeah. I, I remember he did an interview with The Jump, and, um, you know, the way he was answering questions, he just he just fit in so well. Like, he just seemed like such a humble guy who knew how good he was, knew what he was capable of, um, and was, you know, ready to enter the league. Um, no question on his maturity, really. Uh, I, I did. I always liked Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I, I would have taken him later. Uh, you did steal him from me. I'm not going to say where, though. I'm just going to figure it out for myself. Um, but, yeah, 6'5", a big guard. Um, I think it would work well there. I think it would work well there next to um, – Next to Trey, if he needed it, um, but obviously, like you said, they're trying to get rid of the pick and see what they can get for the pick. Um, but no, I like I like Halliburton. I I think that stat is weird with him shooting, but um, and the and the NBA three is different. You know, the range that does kind of mess guys up coming out of college. And he already had a very unorthodox shot, so <laughs> I don't know how teams factor that into the equation, but it's definitely a little different. No, yeah, I, teams are looking at that. I, that's, I got stuff about that later uh, with poor kids. But, I mean, I, I've never really understood that because as long as you're able to get – you've been able to get your shot up at every level so far. 
So I think if you've grown so accustomed to it, like like Lonzo Ball was just missing his shots when he came into the league. He wasn't like getting blocked on them or anything. It was just a weird. I, I guess they needed to fix it for how he would shoot. But if you play that way your whole time, I think it's just mental. I think you can shoot however you want, um, but the ball will go in. Uh, so now it's my turn, huh? Correct. You're the Detroit Pistons. I am the Detroit Pistons, and after me comes the New York Knicks. <laughs> so <laughs> if I were the the GM of the Detroit Pistons and I had lived in New York my entire life, I would be thinking about New York's pick and who they might be able to get at eight. <laughs> and so it might affect who I take at seven. Um, Detroit is in a rebuild. They got rid of Drummond. Uh, Reggie Jackson, they waived him, I think, and now he's um, now he's playing for the Clippers. Um, they got to move on from Blake Griffin, unless he doesn't really care about winning and just wants to do stand-up comedy for the rest of his life. So I think they're in complete re- rebuild mode. I think they should take the big out of USC. I think they should take on Yekka. I think he's a good he's it's good to rebuild with him. I think what we've seen from like a Bam at a bio, I think guards who are quick, not as tall, but like, you know, can move and fit well within an offense. I feel like they're easy to build around and, you know, you know what you're getting out of him. You know, the defense that you're getting out of him, the effort that you're getting out of him. Um, I think this would be good for Detroit, I think. I think once they start shopping people around him, this will be a good piece for them to build off. And he's, I mean, he, he could have went, he could go higher in the draft. He's one of the best bigs coming out of the draft, even though he's, you know, on the smaller side. Uh, but with the small ball, we'll see how Detroit plans to rebuild around him. But if Detroit needs to take him, I think they go with Onyeka. And I, for Detroit, it's interesting because they can really go in any direction because in terms of rebuilding teams, they might be the most talent-depleted team in the NBA. Um, and I think uh, having youth at any position makes them better and makes their future better as they're they're literally at level one of their rebuild. So, I mean, I think that Onyeka is a great fit. I mean, I think that in terms of what he brings to the, to the game, he does all the little things. He's a great – he's great, like, getting to the rim, explosive, explosive athlete, blocking shots as well. Um, so I think that he'll he, just having talent in the building is huge for Detroit. It doesn't really matter where it comes from. Just obviously, with that being said, a lot of avenues they can go. But I mean, you can argue that getting a player that of that quality at seven is still a great a great way to leave the draft if you're uh, Troy Weaver up there in Detroit. Yeah. And I think. What are you gonna say? Oh yeah. Um. I just think I just think of all the players left, like he's not really a plug in guy. Like, he's a guy that you can start and you can build around. He can be one of your main guys um, because of the anchor that he is on defense. And he'll be able, he'll clean up. Like, he's, like you said, he'll do all those, the little dirty thing, the dirty work. And, he'll, he'll like, he'll be a guy who will gel the team together. I mean, and I, I'm very excited that you made that pick. Oh, yeah. Um, I think I did it on purpose, but it's all right. <laughs> I mean, uh, that makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> so, the New York Knicks are on the clock. And... I see. I see what Isaiah is doing here. It's won't happen. Being a little, he's being tricky because he wanted uh, his his pick in real life to fall to to the New York Knicks in our mock draft. Every but with every pick you went, I went. He's not taking him. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I didn't even. I, I mean, I, so far I have not. I've not done this biasly. Um, 
Uh, I've given my honest opinion, and I mean, it just happened to work out that way, I guess. But the the guy next to my bias. <laughs> well, Isaiah's bias helped a little bit. Um, I mean, and that'd be this if this scenario and the way the board has gone so far, it'll look very, it'll leave the Knicks in a very interesting position um, to see what they do. And a lot of people would think, oh, this has to be Isaac Okoro, right? No, um, I'm gonna go with a a player who, I mean, it's very it's interesting because he's very hyped up in in terms of scouts outside the NBA, but people within the NBA don't appear to be as high on him as maybe draft Twitter and other draft analysts are. And in fact, some people have him the number two prospect in this entire draft where as in the NBA, they they see him falling to the end of the top 10. Um, And that player is Killian Hayes, the Frenchman. Yes. Um, And that's, we got him. We got him. I got to call Mike. We got him. (laughs) That's who, I mean, me and Isaiah have been talking about (laughs) wanting to draft Killian Hayes no matter what, since, uh, since we saw him play basketball. So <laughs> I think I think once we realized that Denny was not gonna be there anymore, we, we quickly switched to Killian and yeah, once we found out there's it was a lot eight. of Yeah, yeah, also that. Um <laughs> there's a lot of stigma around Killian just because I guess cause he's French, which is like a I guess it's like Milakina PTSD, which I mean I've said it before, but having another French point guard, three people that speak French on the Knicks, so uh, I'll be I'll be I'll be very happy. But on on the basketball floor three people who speak um Killian yeah, RJ does as well. Imagine oh, yeah. they have no idea what they're saying. Um, unless they play in Evan Fournier. Oh, all right, doesn't play in the league anymore. Go ahead. Unfortunate, good player. Um, <laughs> Killian Hayes, six five, over two hundred pounds. Um, literally does everything well. the The knock on him is his three point shooting. His catch, not not just his three-point shooting, but specifically his catch-and-shoot three-point shooting. Um, he gets to the rim well, has a good mid-range floater game. Everyone's seen his step-backs, right, his step-back jump shots to create space. So he's a very good shooter from the mid-range and the three-point line off the dribble. Struggles in catch-and-shoot, but shooting in the mid-80s, low-90s from the line. So realistically, the, the way we, people think about it is that that progression comes along um, with in terms of shooting. So... Also, very underrated part of his game, a plus defender, great instincts, gets in the passing lane, will go, will, can pick up people 90, 94 feet. I mean, I just don't if, – if this wasn't – I feel like if he was American and played in, in college, he'd easily be a top five pick. Um, so I guess, like, the international bias is kind of kicking in, but there's not really many flaws in his game. And I think that, especially next to RJ, the way that they will be able to share the playmaking duties – the way that he's so efficient and creative in the pick and roll with Mitch, um, the, like all these things just make it like seem like a no brainer, but I, I don't know. I've heard the Knicks are, are high on him. There hasn't been a lot of buzz w- attaching the Knicks to him, but maybe that's because the Knicks are trying to keep it quiet. Cause they really like him. Who really knows? Who <laughs> I hope, know, I hope that's the case. Yeah. Cause there hasn't, they, we've heard that they liked him, but they haven't heard anything else since. Um, we don't really know who the Knicks have used their 10 interview spots with. But, I mean, if it's eight, I, I would be disappointed if it's not Killian and he's on the board. Yeah, 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 especially if he's on the board. But it, it seems like the way they're talking, they don't they don't expect him to be on the board. You know, name-dropping guys like Akira Lewis, <laughs> who I know you like, um, and we'll see later in the draft. But uh, I, I think if he can fall there, I think it's and, – and I lied when I said – that um, Onyeka was the only person you can't build around just so Killian could fall to eight <laughs> as if this were real life. But um, 
But yeah, I think I think he's got like all the talent in the world. He's a great passer. He can shoot. He can get off his own shot. And I think I mean what we've seen with Luka Doncic, like playing professional ball at a young age, and he's been like highly touted playing professional ball. I think like I don't know. I I like those guys a lot because when you do play at the professional level, it's different. Like you, you do you when you're in college, you're still playing with kids, and a lot of the best kids are freshmen. And of course, you see those um, those older guys like Kyle Kuzma may come out, who's pretty skilled until he gets to the NBA Finals, and then um, people <laughs> people start um, signing petitions for him not to get a championship ring. But I think I think um, I like Killian a lot, and if the Knicks get him, I'll be the happiest man in the world. That's for sure. The, the big thing about Killian too is that every year he's gotten like significantly better. Um, which is very promising for someone who's only 19. I, I think it's interesting that people kill him for his lack of a right hand. Um, meanwhile, Tyrese Halliburton has made two left-handed layups this <laughs> entire season. I mean, like, I just, like, I feel like that's the thing that they say about, like, lefties. Meanwhile, like, a lot of righties come into the league with no left, and it's just not a thing right. that's said. Um, a stick play against very, lefties. <laughs> I mean, kind of. like. I mean, it's going to be interesting because then, theoretically, they would have R.J., uh, Killian and Randall, who are all lefties. I don't know how that like people said that like as if it was like a bad thing, and like I don't really see how that <laughs> how those things correlate. Oh, yeah, James Harden's like, a great scorer at a lefty. I think maybe it's a little harder to guard um, lefties. They play different than everyone else, and so you have to adjust differently. Maybe that's an edge that he's had on you know people overseas. I think maybe being a lefty is a good thing. I don't think we have to look at it from a negative. And with his player comp being Goran Dragic, I mean. I've heard that, and I've heard D'Angelo Russell, so it's just lefties. But yeah. I mean, if you can get a, if you can get a Goran, like I guess he's Josh Smith as well. Um, I guess he's uh, dude Michael Red. Remember Michael oh, Red? Oh my anyway. goodness! Um, but ha- having a player of the status of Goran Dragic or like the same archetype, but he's six five and plays above average defense, I just that doesn't that like I, if he wasn't French, it would be a, a no brainer. I guess <laughs> if he wasn't French, French and <laughs> lefty. He's been dealt the worst hand, <laughs> the left hand. Um, yeah, that's that's I I, I really I really like him. I don't, there's no bias from me. I I support lefties. I support Frenchmen. I support them all. Um, bring them to New York. I'd be very happy. Um, and obviously we do need guard play in New York. Um, so now that I I got New York, <laughs> Killian Hayes. You're welcome, New York. Um, I have the ninth pick. And I'm the Washington Wizards. Um, so obviously we weren't supposed to take into account any trades, any things that could be moved. Um, Bradley Beal has obviously been in trade talks. People talking about Bradley Beal going to Brooklyn. I sure hope not. But if it happens, you know, it could go With down. What? Going to the Bucks, maybe, Bradley Beal. Um, you know, people talking about him. John Wall's coming back healthy this year, though. So healthy John Wall, healthy Bradley Beal. If they're both on the team, I don't think you have to focus much on the front court i mean on the back court but i and i think the focus should head to the front court um what's like his name rui hachimura rui hachimura um had a good rookie season and um thomas bryant showed up out of nowhere i all these guys thomas bryant and morris wagner were both on like the um i remember they were on the lakers team because i remember when lonzo came into the league i was watching them and both those guys were like like, we're not getting any play. We're not doing anything. Thomas Bryant is probably the greatest three-point shooting big man who ever lived. Um, <laughs> and Morris Wagner isn't terrible. 
Uh, and Davis Bertans. Oh my goodness, and Bertans. But Bertans is from uh, San Antonio, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So those Popovich is going to snipe those kids out, and he's going to turn them into the greatest role players you need. He needs. He weaponizes people, um, which is <laughs> insane. But um, as a coach, probably the greatest coach of all time. That's a different debate for a different time. I haven't said who I'm going to choose yet for Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to go – this is tough because I I took on Yucca earlier, and if I'm going lower, I'm, like, reaching for these um, backcourt – for these frontcourt players. I think I'm going to go Patrick Williams. Interesting. Uh, did I take <laughs> – interesting because I took Patrick Williams from you. No, no, no. I thought you were going to go some a different direction. Oh. Um, no, Patrick, I think Patrick Williams – I think Patrick Williams could play well for them. I think Patrick Williams is – I think at 6'8", he, he can't – he's not a great shooter, but his athleticism, I think him being able to, um, you know, guard maybe your best player if you need, him being that versatile player, um, he can play make on the ball. Um, if you put the ball in his hands, I think he'd be an all right fit if they're keeping the team. But you know, we can't we can't really do this correctly because we don't know all the moves that are going to be made, which makes this NBA season so exciting. But this draft so hard to do. No, I agree. I the person I thought you were going to say was Isaac Okoro. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I think I think the I think they would do that if they move off of Bradley Beal, you know. But I think I mean I think that. Be, like Beal's more like obviously it's like a two, and I think like Okoro fits more and is a three. Mm. And like I think if they do, if they do decide to bring back Bertans, um, it the Patrick Williams fit is kind of like questionable. I mean, he could be like a bigger three, but I don't think like especially with the lack of shooting, that might it make it might make sense. But I mean, as an upside play, especially if they if their plan is to move off of Bradley Beal, then like it doesn't really matter because that's who they're kind of investing into for the future. But if their plan is to run out this team this year and try to be competitive, I guess, to make Bradley Beal happy, um, I think Akora makes a lot of sense for them. But I definitely see the upside and the potential of Patrick Williams, especially being the youngest player in the draft. And how – I mean, I don't think I don't think that pick is a mistake. Um, I, I Frankly, really like I don't that. care because I'm only, I'm only caring for the Knicks. <laughs> if the Knicks make a mistake, um, I could care less what Washington does. But um, – I, I mean, you you don't I, – I keep saying it, like you don't know what they're going to do. I like Rui, and I like Thomas Bryant. I like what they're doing for their team. I like Bertrands. I don't know any, – any like, I don't know if they'll hold on to Bertrands. I think Bertrands is very heavily sought after in the league. By the Knicks. <laughs> for sure, by the Knicks. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, like, I, I really want to see what they do this year and what their plan is. I mean, obviously, they have the inside knowing what – what they want to do with Bradley Beal. Um, I mean, I don't see any of the trade talks for Bradley Beal really coming to anything because none of the teams being mentioned really have anything to throw to for give. him. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think they're going to have to run it this year as is and see what, if John Wall, it, what he can be after um, ha- missing almost two full years and having a video of him throwing up gang signs really soon. <laughs> <laughs> I can bounce back from that whole, the whole debacle. Um, anyway, we're going to move on to number 10. Yes, we are. <laughs> and the Phoenix Suns, who are kind of the Cinderella team of the bubble. Um, 8-0. Still missed the playoffs somehow because they were that bad before. 
Um, but I mean, I think their their goal is to make Devin Booker happy. Um, people clown the Cam Johnson pick, but as of late, he picked up his play. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton got lost in that draft with Trey Young and um, well, I was gonna say Marvin Bagley as if he's good. Um, <laughs> Luka Doncic and he he's been quietly a very solid player for them around eighteen and ten. So I think they're in win now mode, and I think they're gonna try to find their point guard of the future. Because Rubio has been very good for them, but he's not the solution. Um, but in terms of for that team, he's an amazing fit. But I think they want to groom their next point guard. So, mm-hmm. with that being said, <gasps> with the Knicks getting their point guard already, yes. <laughs> I'm going to go with Kyra Lewis. They, there's been a lot of interest between him and the Suns. Um, and I think he adds an interesting element to that team as a, a, a point guard who can get to the rim, has elite, elite speed. Uh, a very instinctual defender, gambles on seals a lot, gets in the passing lanes, uses his speed to get out in transition. Um, it really changes the way that they play because obviously Rubio likes to push the pace, but I think this brings a whole other level to it. And learning under Rubio the the nuances of playmaking for a player who's gets to the rim with ease, is very crafty around the rim, and is a good shooter, both off the dribble and catch and shoot. Um, I think he's a great compliment for Devin Booker. And I think that that it, that pick makes a lot of sense, but at the same time, that's that's letting Isaac Okoro fall really far. So I don't. Think, yeah, well, I don't that's know how, how we did our draft. I don't know how great that <laughs> that means. How good of a job we're doing, but uh, <laughs> I'm going with Kyra Lewis. Um, no, yeah, I agree that that speed is going to be killer, and the way that team could probably run in transition with that, um, he'll be the leader of you know one of the best fast break teams. In the league, they're all young. Kelly Oubre, uh, Devin Booker running. I mean, um, DeAndre Ayton's good too. They I, they have a nice young team. Um, from what we saw in the bubble with them going undefeated. Um, I like Kyrie Lewis for Phoenix. I I like him for New York too, but not if uh, not if Killian Hayes is available. So <laughs> so yeah, Kyrie Lewis and Phoenix would be a nice fit. I think. I think. I think. Um, yeah, him getting to the rim like that, like. It's it it goes it goes well with the team and him being groomed under a Ricky Rubio I think works great for him. It's also interesting because this pick is also on the market, so I, I think like <laughs> it's gonna be interesting come draft night when four of these picks are traded back um, and see how that changes the dynamic. But I, I think if there's if they if he's sitting there, they're very rumored to have liked him, had a lot of meetings with him. So I think. It's a no-brainer, um, but that leaves San Antonio at eleven. Yeah, San Antonio at eleven. Um, I think you have to go best available player here because we let the man fall so far. Um, I think Demar Derozan has a player option on his contract this year with San Antonio. Um, he'll probably pick up. To be fair, yeah, he probably should. Um, but I'm still gonna have to throw Isaac Okoro there. Um. You gotta pick him up. He's, I, I we let him fall way too far. Um, please don't question our credibility on this podcast. We apologize <laughs> uh, for letting him fall. I was really since the, since I had the first pick and I took Anthony Edwards. I was only worried about eight, and I apologize for doing that to you guys. <laughs> um, but it felt real to me as soon as I as soon as I had all the power. Um, but yeah, you gotta it, I, you gotta take Isaac Okoro at this point. I mean, if if the Rosen is there, it makes it really interesting because that means you have uh, you, you, 
your what three of your starting lineup would be Dejounte Murray, Demar Derozan, and Isaac Okoro, and none of them can hit a. Well, what was this saying? I like to say couldn't hit, hit the broadside. Oh, I don't like that one. Do the broadside of the couldn't barn hit, one. Couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And all sides of a barn are broad. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> We haven't really confirmed how that saying works, and if all sides of said bar happen to be broad, but for the for the for the purposes of this, which podcast, I guess it makes it worse, right? It makes sense. If you can hit any of the broad sides, and they're all broad sides, then you probably can't shoot. Especially if the especially if the barn is near water, oh. you can hit you can hit the broad side nor the water. Getting worse. Go ahead. Anywho. Um, I don't. From a fit perspective, it could be questionable, but from a talent perspective, it's a no-brainer. Um, I think it could have been interesting at eleven. You talked about how San Antonio loves like these like these random Europeans. Um, like they have Jacob Pertl now, but I thought Alexi Pokashevsky. What did I say, Jacob? Yeah. Uh, it's very foreign. I got, I got the last name right. Yeah, so. he did. So, dude, and I got the name Alexei Pokashevsky, right? So it doesn't really matter if oh, I say yeah. Jacob Pertle. Doesn't matter what um, you say from now on. <laughs> I thought that could be a great fit, but I think I didn't take him because I couldn't say the last name. <laughs> <laughs> Same way you said Onyeka. Oh yeah, Okungwu. Yeah, um, but I mean, I think it makes sense. I think that obviously, when you think about Pop's drafting history and just drafting foreign players and how successful he's been, uh, Pokashevsky makes a lot of sense, but. We can't let a Coro fall to twelve. So yeah, I couldn't do that. And defensively, I guess he fits into the scheme. So I guess you would draft him for that. He's like one of the best defensive guards, or defensive players on in this draft. So I think Pop would value that if I were in dealings with Pop. And so I'm taking Isaac Coro. And that takes me to twelve as the Sacramento Kings. And truthfully, as I look at this <laughs> this list of players on the board, I. Uh, I don't know who I'm gonna take, so <laughs> isn't that great? I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a random name off this board and uh No, I'm not I'm not I'm gonna pick the person I said last, <laughs> Alexei Fokusevsky. Oh uh, all right, go ahead. Just because I'm looking at the board here and speaking of Marvin Bagley. And the names I thought of were Devin Vassell, maybe. Uh maybe That's an RJ Hampton play, which, which is very high up. Mm-hmm. Um but they have De'Aaron Fox. They he wants a max. They're likely to give him that. They have Buddy Heald's contract, which is not great, but he's there. So you have to pick work around that. Um, Bagley's been injured a lot, and I think like they have a chance there to really go for like an upside play, and, and especially with Friedens not really going to Sacramento, trying to hit the home run. And many people have Poku as that player in this draft, the player that. Might is a project, might take some time to come together, but at, at seven feet tall, can protect the rim, can rebound, can put the ball on the floor, can make can make reads out of the pick and roll, catch and shoot, move motion shooting. He he's very young, very un very unrefined, has to work on his body, has to bulk up, but the flashes of potential that that he shows at seven feet tall is ridiculous and is exactly where the modern NBA is going. So I mean if and I get the fit of Bagley, but at seven feet tall, I mean you could play him at the four a la Chris House Porzingis, but I mean the argument could be made that if he can bulk up that he can play the five, especially depending on what happens with Bagley. And I thought by the time Poku becomes what he people think he could be, we'll know what Bagley is so you can work around that later. But I just think 
Vassell is not the best fit, especially because of Buddy Heald. Like, I think that RJ Hampton could be a reach there and kind of mirrors De'Aaron Fox a lot. Um, and I think this is the best the best pick, really, for them. Um, yeah, I think it's a good pick. It makes me very interested in who you go with 14. But since you didn't know who you had a who you're going to take at 12. Um, I'm sure you can <laughs> scramble while I ramble on about my 13th pick with New Orleans. Um, who is going to be Vassell? I think it's Devin wow. Vassell from Florida State. I think he fits pretty well here. I think with his shooting, with those playmakers around him, a Drew Holiday, Alonzo Ball, um, this is another young team like the um, Phoenix Suns who didn't do that well in the bubble, but they – are poised to be, you know, to take over the league. Those matchups with Zion against LeBron. Uh, already know how this podcast feels about Alonzo Ball. Um, haven't really voiced our opinions on Jackson Hayes yet, but I think he's um, a great prospect and he can do great. And I think Vassell adds shooting um, to this team. And he he's a good defender at his position. Um, so I think I think he'll work well with New Orleans. I think he could be good with New Orleans. But this is where I'm really interested. If you need me to ramble on a little more. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> I got it. I'm ready. I'm, I'm going to that, that might, uh, might have a lot of listeners scratching their heads. But, um, I mean, from your pick of Devin Vassell, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, next to Lonzo, th- that defensive backcourt would be ridiculous. I mean, the way that Lonzo has developed his shooting to be above league average for the last season, um, him and Vassell in the backcourt, would be fantastic because Devin Vassell does not require the ball. He just needs to defend and knock down open shots. Mm-hmm. And then the floor spacing, especially with him, Ingram, and Ball would be solid enough to cover up for – and especially if Zion so can shoot, right? Well, if they bring back Redick, right. but I think if those three can continue to shoot the way they shot and then Zion shooting, uh, like, just below league average, I mean, it's good enough to cover for Jackson Hayes' lack of shooting as a vertical floor spacer. So I think it makes a lot of sense from that perspective. And it makes what I – what I have to pick here at 14, very interesting. Um, this pick initially belonged to Memphis, got traded to Boston. So Boston has the final pick of the lottery and therefore the final pick of our little mock draft. So I think it's important to make some noise here. Um, you want a drum roll? They, no, there's two players here that I'm looking at. And I'm trying to figure out as I ramble on about which <laughs> will, make, will make the most possible sense. Um, and I'm going to – I'm going to hmm. – all right, I need to find a coin. <laughs> this guy's going to flip a coin. <laughs> no, Earlier no, you no. were saying you're going to look at this board and you're just going to pick a random name off the board. Because, like, all right, there's two players who I want to pick. I think – I'll tell you the two names. The first one, Tyrese Maxey. Right. I don't know how he fits with Boston necessarily. I think that they have a lot of scores. I think that they do need a guard off the bench. At this point, are you thinking best available player? I'm thinking best fit. To- well, okay, in real life, I would say that Boston tries to move up and go get a big, mm-hmm. right, uh, an Okungwu. Um, Alexi? If, uh, not, I mean, not Alexi because I feel like they're more in win-now mode. Right. But, I mean, if Wiseman falls, making a move like that. Um, maybe even a Patrick Williams if it falls knocked down the board. Mm-hmm. But I do think another glaring hole in that team is guard depth in a way. Because, um, like, obviously Marcus Smart is like a Swiss Army knife and can do a lot for that team. Right. Um, but – Wanamaker. Right. I don't think Wanamaker cuts it. Um, They drafted Romeo Langford and haven't really done anything with him, so I guess they kind of just gave up on that. Um, So, I mean, I think that Tyrese Maxey as a 
as a combo guard who can score. Um, you can let Marcus Smart do the playmaking. I think it makes a lot of sense, but at the same time, there's also one basketball, and you already have Jalen. You already have Tatum. You already have whatever Marcus Smart thinks he is. Uh, <laughs> thinks he is. He did yeah. pretty good. He did pretty good. He did yeah, pretty good in the did, bubble this year. But he's, his flopping he is annoying. He just starts chucking up shots and, like, shooting them out of He was filling himself. He was, <laughs> he, was, he was hot in the bubble. So I think Maxi can make a lot of sense. But the other name here I'm going to go with, shout out Obi. Flip the coin. Cole Anthony. Woo! Um, I think I think Obi would be mad Rick if we didn't have him. In, didn't have him in the lottery. But, um, I mean, I think it it could make a lot of sense. Like, I think a lot of Celtics fans are thinking about how Kemba really fits with that team. Um, I mean, if you think about it, they have different games, but Cole Anthony and Kemba are the same kind of archetype of player right. in terms of the school and point guard. Similar, yeah. Right, and not really known for their playmaking, more of just putting the ball in the hoop, mm-hmm. and maybe having a player like that as your, like your sixth man or seventh man because they have smart like will like create some consistency within the team where when the bench comes in, like you can play the same style because you'll have that right because you'll have that same scoring point guard. But I mean, I think that can make a lot of sense as well. So my official selection is going to be Tyrese Max. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Maxi just because I think the the dynamic of him and him and Smart both as good defenders, both who can work well with the ball in their hands, who can play off of each other as like that one two in the backcourt coming off the bench. Um, I think it opens up a lot of Smart's game as a playmaker, which he's very adept in. So I, I think I'm gonna go with Maxi as my final pick for the Boston Celtics. What 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 were your thoughts about? Were you thinking somewhere else, or were you between them two as well? Um. Maxi was there for me. Um, I was thinking maybe like I don't know, like Sadiq Bay. I don't know that. That's why, like, I'm. That's why I mentioned it because Boston was going to be like a hard. I thought it would be a hard pick um, because obviously, like you said, the glaring um, hole and absent thing in their um, offense is that big. Dice is good, but um, not the not the greatest. And so, like, you think if they had. If they were able to get the talent, they would go after it. Um, I like Maxi and Cole, though. I like that decision there. Um, I think Maxi, uh, pretty heavily underrated, um, and so I think he should um, be drafted a little higher. I think he's a good player, and I think he could build well for Boston. I think um, shout out Cole Anthony. He's been growing me on me. He's been growing on me a little more. Um, you know, just because I feel like I haven't given him a chance, and he is homegrown, so. Um, you know, obviously, I I do root for him. I'm not like against him completely, um, and I do root for him. I remember when he was, um, you know, in high school, he was supposed to go to my sister's high school, but ended up not going. But I remember hearing, I was like, Greg Anthony's son. I was like, who the who is this? But like, he's nice. He's nice. <laughs> he's Greg Anthony's son. <laughs> um, but yeah, and his dad playing for the Knicks too. You know, um, I mean, I wouldn't be incredibly happy if the Knicks took him, but I I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the. I wouldn't be. Let's put it this way. I wouldn't be the most upset man in the world. Yeah, because um, I'm also in this world, and I I will take the title of most upset person if the Knicks take Cole Anthony remotely near the eighth pick in the draft. Remotely near. <laughs> um, within within Barnes reach, <laughs> within a broad reach. But yeah, I think I, I I think it's good that we shouted out Cole Anthony. So shout out Cole Anthony. I appreciate you, and I appreciate your game. Um, I hope you do make a splash. Tar Heels, Tar Heels stand up. I don't know what they're. I can't. I, uh, I can't. 
not going to vouch. I can't, I'm gonna say the same thing. I can't it's replicate fine. the uh, support by Isaiah. Just but, from um, me. No. Dude, <laughs> dude, if he goes to the Knicks, I will completely change my tune oh. by his jersey. But the moment it drops on any Oh, platform. for sure you will. You're the biggest bandwagon I ever met. <laughs> I'm not a bandwagon. I just don't. Dude, I can't. What am I supposed to do? I think, hate him so no, no, no. But you're time. definitely the biggest Frank Nielakina fan in the world, though. For sure. For the sure. Biggest? Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't, just because I have his jersey doesn't mean I'm the biggest fan. I think because you have his French jersey means you're the biggest fan. No, I bought his French jersey because if they traded him, I would have been heartbroken. <laughs> I spent money on Heartbroken. It. Even though I got them from DHgate, our sponsor. Shout out DHgate. Shout out DHgate. Whatever language they speak. But um, that's our draft, I guess. <laughs> Jesus Whether we're credible or not in our picks. Uh, is up for you to decide. Get at us. Tell us what you would have picked. Tell us what picks you don't think made sense. Um, listen to this podcast all the way through and get to every pick. Um, this, I have to probably timestamp this uh, podcast, which is going to be easy because each pick we made. So the uh, read through the timestamps, <laughs> there's going to be 14 of them for sure. That's going to be a long, a long description <laughs> in the bottom of the podcast. Um, but um, I think... I think you guys are going to like this episode if you guys haven't been following the NBA draft closely. I know that it's been maybe not as much of a talked about draft, but since there's been so much time to look into it, um, we've really dug deep on this draft and thought about these players and their fits. And honestly, in the, in the coming weeks, we'll hear we'll talk more about news we hear surrounding those picks and even possible like players who fall outside of this 14-team, the lottery, and, and players who can make some noise later on. So we'll definitely, with the draft coming up, be talking about this more. So we figured it'd be a great idea to let you guys know where we stand on these prospects. Now, um, like we said, we shouted out all our social medias in the beginning and yeah. we might as well do it again. Uh, of course we should follow, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shoeless Joe's pod. Um, we, we were just trying to interact with you guys. We're going to have some fun graphics coming out this week, especially regarding this draft. Um, we haven't talked about it yet. I said, but I got some stuff in mind. So, <laughs> so you guys will see that in the coming days. We'll if you run. follow um, but on that note, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope you guys learned more about the draft and the process. And we'll see you guys next week. Yes, please share the podcast. Peace. And the tell me to come. So she didn't have a daughter, she didn't have a son. She said the lift doesn't work. Run up the stairs and come. And if it Double, 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 double.